So I had something to rant about, which I'll have to get off my chest quickly. Right. I know I haven't discussed this, by the way. And I don't think I put it on the run sheet either. But I fucking hate terrestrial television. I just... I was listening to another podcast yesterday and they were talking about shows that just drive them insane. And I don't know if they get these anywhere else in the world, but have you ever seen those, um, you know, like Eat Well for Less or, you know, Shop shop Well for Less or Get Out of Debt shows? Do you know which ones I mean? Yeah, I think I know what you mean. There was one of those on and it was a couple who had both lost their jobs, which was fair enough, not, you know, not nice. Fair, fair um, enough. Yeah, you were allowed to yeah, do that. They were renting um, and they got a two kids, two boys who were probably around 12 and about nine. Um, and they were talking about getting back on the property market, looking to buy a house. But their rent, their rent was, uh, I think it was £1,800 a month. No. Where were they fucking living? <laughs> I don't know. Like I never seven found bed mansion in like central London. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I had to. I. I get crazily. It's when I met my wife. I said the weird thing about me is it's little things that drive my emotions. So if some something that can make me really happy or really angry or really sad, the big things I just think, well, I've got to deal with this. So let's get on with it. It's those little things that seem to drive me insane. This show was making me so angry. I had to put my headphones in and drown it out. I couldn't even watch it. I was so frustrated because the bits I saw are just, oh, God. So they live in this £1,800 a month house. The woman says, um, you've got two kids. Why, you know, you don't really need a four-bedroom house. You're trying to save to get a mortgage. So why don't you live somewhere that's three-bed? Because that's around a thousand pounds, so you that there's seven hundred pounds a month immediately. They could go into like a you know a slush fund kind of thing. So they fucking um and are about that, but then this man, the dad, he he she the, the the woman said to him, "Okay, can you show me what you would normally wear? What's your just regular outfit?" And it was a pair of Converse, a pair of jeans, and a red polo shirt, like the one. Fucking Hulk, Berg, Hulk Bergevin had on in the picture, just the, just like that, just a polo, not obviously that ripped, but yeah, it's not as well shirt. fitting as the Bergevin polo shirt. Yeah, and this and this was the thing, right? So he says to her, "Oh yeah, it's this, 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 and this. This whole this outfit, trainers, jeans, and a polo shirt cost him something like two hundred and ten quid for three Jesus items." Jesus Christ! So the woman says to him, "Oh well, I'll go and find you a cheaper alternative to this." So she comes back. Clearly she's been to Primark, but fucking who gives a shit? Whatever. And this new outfit costs something like 32 quid. So there's another 180 quid or whatever that he's saving. And he's fucking umming and ahhing, and he's not sure. And he walks in and says to his wife and says, oh, what do you think? And she goes, well, I'm not sure. And I just screamed, dude, you fucking look exactly the same. He looked exactly the same. And listen, I wouldn't mind if this guy looked like a contestant off fucking Love Island or The Bachelor or something, but he wasn't. He looked like a potato. He had a face <laughs> like a potato, just middle-aged dad fucking, I mean, peak, peak dad bod, just skinny girl arms and a fat belly. Just, and I thought, why the fuck do you care? Look at you. Clearly drank too much, clearly smoked, just the rigors of life had worn him down. 
And I just thought, oh God, you fucking loser. You fucking idiot loser. Just, can you not understand what's happening here? How do you get yourself in such a bad situation? Like he was already built to be shopping at Matalan. (sighs) Yeah, exactly. If you look like Ryan Reynolds or fucking Chris Hemsworth and they're making him dress in a sack... I'd have said, well, yeah, that guy needs to fucking show himself off. Like, this is ridiculous. But no, this guy was just peak middle-class dad bod. And it drove me insane. And the son had the son had £10, like, hair clay mould stuff. It was £10 a jar. And I said, and, and Sarah, how, I said, how old's this boy? He's like 12. Jesus Christ. And I, I said to Sarah, I said, well, I said it to the TV via my wife. I said, that lad... No girl is going to look at that lad any different anyway. Because 13, 14-year-old girls, like 16-year-old, 17-year-old boys are at college. The girls who are at college, who are 16, 17, like lads who are 18, 19 who can drive. The girls who are like 18, 19, usually like lads who are kind of 22, 23, 24, maybe got their first house. You're 12, mate. Your £10 hair gel ain't going to do shit. (laughs) Just fucking, just put mud in your hair. No one cares. No one cares how you look. He's the at the age where he like, should be putting mud in his hair anyway. God, the mum looked like a bag of mashed potato. Just, I mean, just drained of any wishfulness of life. And they're talking to her about <laughs> perfume that she spends £130 on every two months. <gasps> no. Just saying white. And I was just thinking, how? How are you in this position? How can you be so fucking bad with money? How? Just, it's like, have, you, honestly, have you seen that meme about um, someone who's like, I don't know if it's a meme or if it's real, but it's one of those things that the line's been so blurred through internetness that you just never know anymore. But it's yeah. like some guy on a uh, on like a money forum looking for financial advice. He's like, oh, please, I need help. My family's starving. And um, so I was like, oh, can you lay out your budget for me? And he's like, X amount on this, X amount on that. And then he's like, £5,000 a month on candles. <laughs> someone's like have you thought about spending less on candles that is impossible <laughs> just whenever I see it someone who's so like true. so self-inflictedly poor I just think yeah, you're a fucking candle fiend it was so true they didn't want to move house either I'm thinking why are you renting a place for £1,800 a month that's insane that's insane it's, it's such a stupid I, I know it's telly and I know like it's blatantly a little bit scripted if not completely scripted, but it's just that that thing of like, oh, we really need some help. Oh, here's some help. And now nah, we don't want that help. Now you yeah. mention it, I don't want to do anything to help myself. I couldn't honestly. The dad just drove me insane. I I, w- I wish, I wish I had some kind of device where I could teleport myself into the television because I wanted to just punch him right in the face. And I'm not, I'm not even a fighter. I'll try and defuse situations. I would have fought that man <laughs> over his principles of life. <laughs> Because I just couldn't handle it. I'd have killed him and mopped up his blood with his £180 polo shirt. Fucking hell. £210 on three items. How's that even possible? I do one shop a year. I go to Primark once a year. I swear to God, I spend about 60 quid and I'm done. That's it. (laughs) I don't buy any of the clothes the whole year. I I find like... Even even when I think, oh, all right, I need a new pair of trainers or whatever, I'll look at like yeah, a pair like a thirty pound pair of trainers in Sports Direct and still think, yeah, I mean, but they're not falling off my feet. Like I'm still yeah. wearing these trainers. I I don't need to spend that money. 
I get new trainers or new shoes when if it's raining, I can feel wetness on my toes. Then I get new trainers or shoes. Just, not before. Not just because I fancy a change. Still a waste of money, Dan. You just need to avoid the puddles better. It's true. Don't throw money at the problem tape. when you just don't know how to walk. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. Oh, I have to get off my chest. I'm, I'm glad you did. I'm, I'm really glad you did. So we're we going to spend half an hour talking about the bake-off now? Or... <laughs> Dude, let me just quickly say this. I don't know, because I know that bake-off's big all over the world. I get it. I don't know where ever else in the world is up to. Because there's oh, going to be people I'm in America. A... You know, there's people in North America who have listened to this show. I don't know where you guys are up to. Um, I'm, a, I'm like two weeks behind me... as well, so don't don't say nothing. No, that's fine. That's fine. Let me just say, I have an unnatural crush on Ruby. I think this. I I just. I think she's absolutely stunning, and I know it's got nothing to do with that. It should be on baking ability. I cannot. The 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 Neanderthal subconscious part of my brain just takes over, and I just stare at her, thinking, "Oh my god, I think I love you. You're so beautiful." I can't help it. It's terrible. So, as as Grace doesn't listen to the podcast and she's not around, I will admit. She's good looking, but like she's... I'm not, I'm not head over heels for her. You know what I mean? No, I'm, I'm head over heels. She's just a bit annoying. And his thing, really, like, like, I, I don't even have a type either. My, I was talking to Sarah once about my ex girlfriends, and it was as though I was auditioning for like a Benetton advert or something, or a Calvin Klein advert. I literally ran the gamut of like races, hair colors, sizes, everything. So it's not even there's a ruby ticks any particular. Oh, she has to have dark hair, or she has to be this kind of build. It, it doesn't matter. And I, and I don't know what it is. I think there's something about the comp- there must be something about the composition of her face or something that just draw- that just draws me in. And I just sit there like uh, like just some fucking just like I said some Neanderthal idiot. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. The things that bread week do does to people. It's just despicable, really. <laughs> yeah. And the fact she can make a cake as well. It's not, it's not good. Yeah, can she though? She's not really all that, if you ask me. No, that's a fair point. My wife always asks me why I think, why I fancy Nigella Lawson. And I said, well, listen to me, Sarah. I said, once we finished upstairs doing the dirty, she'll go downstairs and bake me a chocolate cake. What's not to love about that? I mean, <laughs> that's everything I want out of life. That's, that's a lot of expectation right there, Dan. Like, you know, I can't, I can't speak for Nigella's work ethic and her passion for baking but there are plenty of things that I love to do that are absolutely not being done after I've you know done the dirty done the deed I'm a I'm a big food guy after the deed is done I, I need I need food afterwards I thought you were a big food guy 24-7 I'm a big food guy 24-7 but it's even worse after that when, once once the once the uh, once the tra- <laughs> once the transactions taken place <laughs> I uh... once you've had confirmation <laughs> Yeah, that's that's my peak. Oh wow, I am peckish. What can I get? Nigella would be perfect. Why are you down there, look? Can you just make me some cheese on toast? Thanks. <laughs> She's like, oh, of course I can. She brings up like the best cheese on toast I've ever had. So, oh my god, I love you so much. <laughs> I 
find I find the only things that I generally want after um after uh, completing the act is uh, is a piss and a sleep. To be quite honest, maybe a glass of water. Got to stay hydrated, Dan. Do you know what's, yeah? Do you know what's weird? Do you know the cliche of the man just rolls over and go to sleep. God, after, after I'm after I'm done, I am so I, I'm never more awake. I am completely awake. I mean, I, I feel like afterwards, I'll, right? That's it. I, I have to go and exercise now because I'm I'm so full of energy. You're um to I've to get it slightly back on track, Dan. You're the example of the geezer who um at the end of his shift has enough energy for a fight. Like you know, if you you know if you've got enough energy to fight at the end of your shift, you clearly haven't put in enough effort. <laughs> That's what it is. Just terrible at it. That's why I've got so much energy left. <laughs> I, I remember being younger and seeing all those like cliches on telly of like you know, like you say the bloke falling asleep straight after and thinking, oh what a pig, what a misogynist, you know how dare you do that? Why wouldn't you stay up and you know spend some quality time with your loved one that you've just achieved quietness with? Nah. I don't like the stereotype exists for a reason. <laughs> oh dear. I can help. There you go. Anyway. <laughs> we, we were talking before the show about how how have we done <laughs> the long, two longest shows in, in the podcast history with very little to talk about and I think we've um, yet again found the reason why. It explains the reason why. All right. <laughs> let's uh, let's go on with the show. What do you want to start with? What should we go with? Should we Actually, start? I know what we start on, with. All right, oh, go on. Hit me up. I was going to say we'll start with Max Domi because it's on the heels of last week's show, and it's the, it was the earliest thing I saw after last week's show. Yeah, you know it's a, it's a, it's a real tough situation, obviously for everyone involved, and uh, I feel bad about it. By no means that I want to hurt him. I feel bad about it. I hope he's okay. No, I don't know about you, Will. Um, you might be different. I don't know. I know everyone. You know, like I say, we live in a multicultural world, and I love it, but. I'm like Max Domi, is that when I'm trying not to hurt somebody, I usually punch them in the face when they're not looking. Because I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming you do the same kind of thing. When you're trying to not hurt somebody, you always punch them in the face. Is, that, a, is that right? It's a preventative measure, Dan. It's about yeah. you know, saving them from themselves, really. Because you know, you, you know, there's nothing safer than being asleep. And Max was quite clearly <laughs> trying to just put Aaron to sleep. He's not tall enough I to mean, get him in like a you know reverse sleep hold or anything, so he just had to try and knock his lights out, old fashioned style. Yeah, that's true. And here's the thing as well, is that with Max Domi doing his best to not hurt Aaron Eckblad by punching him in the face, if he knocks him out, then they don't have a fight. Stops Aaron Eckblad maybe hurting his shoulder. That would have been way worse than getting a bloody nose, wouldn't it? So oh, yeah, yeah he makes a good point there. I, I, I think How it's um, <laughs> stand up what like that that interview that you know there's a little scrum bunch of people around him being asked about it i've never seen a less sincere like it's it's not an apology because he doesn't say sorry just like acknowledgement of him having done wrong it's like well yeah you know it's an emotional game out there uh you know uh, me and aaron go back blah 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 yeah, yeah, we played played with each other in the World Juniors. Then I punched him in the face in a preseason game, um, and like <laughs> he like repeatedly says, "It is what it is." <laughs> so yeah. fucking leave it out, leave it out. It's just like he so clearly couldn't give less of a shit. Even when he's talking about the the punishment about getting suspended for preseason, like he, I don't know, like it's. His answers are a bit robotic, not like Kawhi Leonard robotic, where he is a robot. It's just, 
he doesn't have any emotion towards what he's done. Like, I don't. It's true. It, it is what it is. Is the classic reply along the lines of, "Well, it's one of those things." <laughs> no, it wasn't. It's one of those things. <laughs> nope. People always say that when they've got no idea how to get out of a situation. It's like you've cheated on your wife. I was, I'm sorry, love. It was just. It was one of those things. I'm sorry. She made the best cheese and toast ever. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? It's one of those things. I know. I I just wanted... I feel there's a market out there. Maybe someone from The Athletic can do this once they've signed every single interview person and writer and podcaster in the history of the world. That Please. In the scrum, in the scrum, one of the reporters could have just said something like, well, that was pretty fucking stupid, wasn't it? Or when he said, I didn't want to hurt him, nobody went, what? That doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about? But they all just stand there. Yeah, okay. What about the league suspension? Microphone in face. Get your soundbite. Nobody went, Max, you know, that's really fucking stupid. Why did you? Why are you so stupid? Because <laughs> obviously they can't, but come on. Is it a stupid answer. It's that hard one where like press credentials are, are valuable and like I don't hold any ill will to any reporter who doesn't ask oh, controversial no, can, questions. Can like, yeah, it's, you know, it is ultimately going to be your livelihood. You might not get sacked by your publication for... For asking a question like that, but if you're getting your, if you're a beat writer for the Canadians and you're having your press credentials revoked for, you know, saying uh, Max, you were a xenophobic, racist, um, you know, assaulter of uh, of Max, do- of Max, <laughs> you've assaulted yourself, Max, don't um, Yeah, you're a racist and you've committed assault. How do you plead? Like, if you have your credentials ripped, you cannot do your job, so you are going to lose your job. Like, so I, yeah, I don't, I don't. It'd be I, nice if people saying, did, I but I don't blame them because there's yeah, there's no way they can do it. Is there? They have to play nice and happy. No, exactly. As a wise man once said, Dan, it is what it is. It's one of those things. Well, it's just one of those things. <laughs> you yeah, can't I'd... go to like Tortorella after a crushing loss and be like, John, that fucking line change was stupid, wasn't it? <laughs> what were you thinking? Fuck you. Like, so yeah, but um, Max Domi. Yes, it's it's nice to see some continuity though in uh, in the fact that Max Domi didn't give a shit about his actions on the ice. And he doesn't give a shit about his actions <laughs> off the ice. So in it's some true. ways, fair play to him. In some ways, it's our fault for being so surprised. How dare we? We shouldn't have it's expected more out of Max. This, no, it's who, true. Who who you know. Yeah, unsurprising headlines. The son of Ty Domi sucker punches man in the face and doesn't give a shit afterwards. <laughs> what a shock. Yeah, so true. What a surprise. God, they need to get him and Brendan Gallagher on a line together this year. That'll be something. But that, I, I wouldn't say... I'm not familiar with the ins and outs of Brendan Gallagher's career, but I've always seen him as... Yeah, he's not necessarily going to sucker punch someone. He might no, run, he's not, but he's, might a, he's run an a agitator, isn't he? Oh, yeah, exactly. He's an, he's an agitator. He's he's Marsh and 0.7. <laughs> good player, though, Gallagher. I'd, I'd like a bit of Brendan Gallagher. I like Brendan Gallagher. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good player. But he definitely, he's definitely... Before Marsh got super good, that's kind of where Gallagher's at now. He's a good player. Yeah. But he's not super good yet, and he's not doing the super dick things that Marsh does. The is. That's, that's absolutely it. 0.7 across the board. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> what, he, what he needs to do is put up a, an 85-point season and lick someone in the face and they'll be an elite, <laughs> elite winger in the NHL. I can't wait for to see what Marshan does this year. I'm so intrigued to see what he does, if he behaves himself. Because he was taught, <sighs> apparently he was talked to, wasn't he? Like Bergeron, Chara, 
I mean, even um, even Cassidy had a word with him, and he's, apparently that's he's not going to go like careful. like we were saying back he in the playoffs. He, like, he can't. Himself. He cannot help himself. You get, you know, it's one of those things, Dan. He just it is what it is. Christ, <laughs> can't do this the whole show. We can, mate. It's one of those things. Um, I, I just can't wait to see what like next level that he's going to take it to because he's he's broken the barrier now. Now that he's gone from just slew footing people and like you know rabbit punches with his glove on to licking people, that's just opened up a whole new realm of of deviancies. Yeah. Well, until, well, yeah. We went from elbowing players in the head, and then licking people in the face. I said before, I think he, I think he's going to try and wet Willie somebody. I can just see it. I, I'm waiting for the little, you know, through the shorts, cheeky little poke finger up, up a bum sort of thing. <laughs> Thumb up the ass. <laughs> no, no, not like all the way. Just a cheeky little poke. <laughs> Speaking of ass, um, Otto was back in the news again with. Uh, Zach Smith <laughs> placed on waivers. I wanted to get the Ottawa talk out of the way because again, I, I fucking every week it's something. We, we, again, we can't donate too much time to it. Jesus, yeah, we just keep diving into sense problems, but we have to now that um, biscuits has gone. We're now the official sense cast, so we have to do our jobs. Um, do you want to say you just you said to me before you wanted to mention something about waivers? Um, what was the what was that? I don't really know really. I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> You had, you sent me a message. I sent a message saying about Zach Smith. And you said, Oh yeah. So yeah, I'll mention that. I'll mention the waivers. And I was like, Oh, okay. I, I just went in general we can just talk about waivers. <laughs> it's nice, isn't it? Waivers. <laughs> it's great. It's good. Do you wanna yeah. For those yeah, okay, we say we always say for those who don't know, obviously you do know, but for context we have to say Zach Smith, uh, three years left, 9.25 overall. He got put on waivers by the Sens this week, and people were not happy, uh, especially Matt Duchesne, who was uh, really annoyed. I'll be honest, it's a kick in the balls for us. Um, that's how it feels. So It's tough because we love Smitty. He's a great leader. He's a great player. Um, unfortunately, I guess sometimes in this business, things happen that are, you know... Sometimes beyond hockey reasons and things Has like he, that. Has he played since then? Because he came back, didn't he, into the first team, and he got and Guy Boucher said he was he was putting him back into the line. You know, he's going to put him straight back into the lineup. Well, th- this is the thing. Like it, it really seems like they weren't they weren't trying to send him to. They don't want him playing in Binghamton. They are yeah. or no Belleville rather. They um they just wanted to get rid of him. They did, like they couldn't yeah. trade him to anyone. They just wanted to get rid of him, and. I don't know to an extent is that more of a slap in the face than being sent down to the AHL that's saying we ne- we don't want you and we don't value you at all I don't think it matters though does it because this is the Senators and I think anything they're doing at the moment is seen as just I think if another team did it you might have, you might take it differently but I think in this case it's almost it's not personal because I mean, they are just clearing cows of like, everybody. Shit is fucking mad. And and to be fair, yeah. if I'm in Zach Smith's shoes, I'm more annoyed with the 30 other teams in the league than I am with Ottawa. I'm saying, oh, obviously you don't think I'm gonna, you, you're not going to save me from the sinking ship, eh? I'm, yeah, thanks a lot. I'm out of here. I'm bloody, I'm bloody Jack in the in the Atlantic Ocean. Saying, Rose, oh. please just squidge up, let me on your door. Like, nah, sorry, Jack. Budge up a bit. Budge up a bit, love. I, I can do a room on there. 
See you later. He didn't have a good year the last year. He didn't have a good year the last year, did he? Nineteen, I think. Nineteen points in sixty odd games. Yeah. Yeah, nineteen point sixty eight games. But he's only Um, a couple of seasons removed from twenty five goals in two thousand sixteen. So. I mean, you know, they, and clear. Clearly, he was playing with an injury last year as well. So yeah, exactly. And and it's on the senators. Like, you th- there are plenty of players. Not to say that Zach Smith is uh, Alex Galchenyuk, but Alex Galchenyuk scored thirty goals before Zach Smith scored twenty five goals, and we still talk about Zach, uh, Alex Galchenyuk being a thirty goal scorer. So like, yeah, I, th- I think you know Smith need, deserves to ride this twenty five goal wave for a little bit. But, um, Two things. Um, oh, sorry. Go on. I was, I was just saying, like his his cap hit is a bit of an issue. But then again, there are teams out there who have the space for a player of Smith's. Um, you know, Smith's hit is only three point two five million. That's not too much, really. Anything is he's probably worth a gamble if you can. Um, you know, if you can chuck him on a on a line where he's got someone who's going to help him out and feed him the passes because he's obviously got a, a nose for net. I suppose. But I guess teams are looking at that. They're thinking, "Well, are you gonna are you gonna pay that? Would you pay that money for a guy who didn't perform last year? Who's not gonna get many minutes? Because he's not making anyone's even. He's not gonna make anyone's second line, is he? I mean, he's I third, he's third line know. best. I don't know. Really? But th- this is it, though. Like that depends on how you want to construct your team. If you've <laughs> fair point after our tanking conversation last week. Well, because because like you know. You can you can have if you want to load up your top two lines old school style, you know, have your six best, you know, most potent scorers on your top two lines, then fair play, you're not gonna fit Zach Smith in there. But if you want to do something a bit like Pittsburgh have done in the past where you're spreading out your better players and maybe have like spread your top six over three lines so you've got three pairs of good players, mm. I feel like there are teams out there who could take a risk on Zach Smith and um and yeah, slot him into one of those one of those positions. That said, he is thirty. <laughs> that's it, well, <laughs> him, him and Tim Heed, they're gonna gonna have great futures <laughs> in the NHL. Yeah, Zach Smith's gonna have to be careful as well. He doesn't get struck by the Carlson curse like you disclosed last week, where players just started dropping like flies. <laughs> that's it, <laughs> just retiring left, right, and center. <laughs> Despicable. He's, he's over the hill. He's basically dead now. It's true. We just need to take him up back like old Yeller. That's it. Come on, son. Time's time. There's your yeah, shotgun ready. <laughs> uh, okay, so two things outside of this that, that are not to do with Otto, more to do with sort of the hockey life in general that I thought interesting. Um, the kids, like Zach Smith, just he's, like, they've got a, like a three week, four week old baby and they really? just settled in Ottawa. And I thought, oh man! And I and I've said I've mentioned I mentioned all the time about the life outside and you know the wives and girlfriends and how it affects them when you're moving teams. And imagine if someone had picked him up. I don't know. Let me think. Let me think of it. Let me think of somebody. Um, say fucking, the Islanders have picked him up or something, or even like yeah, a West Coast team like Anaheim or something had taken him. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've got Anaheim. And you, you know you've got a four-week-old baby. You've just settled down. You're all comfortable, and, and then you've got to go and say to your wife, "Oh, we're moving to Anaheim now, away from all your family and away from everybody and all your friends." And it, fuck, it must be so hard. And we never think of, you know, we always think about, "No, oh, these players have it easy. It's so simple." And oh God, you get paid to play hockey. I mean, yeah, it's great, but there is that side of it when you've got you've got to go home and 
live your home life as well. You know, you're still a parent, you're still a husband, you still have that side of your life to lead, don't you? It must be tough. This, even if you leave, you know, there are plenty of players that just go, you know, say Zach Smith will go off to An- Anaheim in this theoretical waiver claim. Um, and, you know, he just lives there for the season, leaving his wife and kid at home, you know, with maybe yeah. their, their support system. That's still, you know, absent father isn't the right term for it, but you're not there when, when you need to be. And, and that's its own different kind of strain, even if you're not uprooting your family. That's true. I mean, as a, yeah, as a dad, I I can't even imagine that. I mean, I see my, I see my daughter every day and it's, it's the best thing. You know, there's nothing... It's like it's like the cliche of when you come home from work and your kids then you just give them a big cuddly like oh I missed you it's great I'm happy to be home, but then instead you just got you know you're living in Anaheim you're just going home to a you know basically an iPad conversation with your family while you're just sat in an empty house or an empty flat or a hotel or something absolutely and especially and if you've got like a tough. newborn baby because you can't fucking Skype with a newborn I know you like you miss that bonding you know you miss all that bonding time and that closeness that you know that kind of familiarity you develop with them and stuff. Yeah, you come home after like seven months at sea, and um, and yeah, you're a stranger to your baby. Yeah, totally. You know, when you when you leave, they're you know, like I say, they're a month old, and then when you get back, they're maybe starting to try. You know, they're like they're crawling or they're having little pots of food, and you think, oh my god, I've just I've missed everything. I've missed that entire time of her life, or you know, his life. And it must be tough. Um, something else. I I was a. Uh, I found it interesting listening to um, to Matthew Shane's comments, and it sort of made me think about something else. Was we always laugh, don't we, about when a team will sign a player and they'll say, "Oh, he's, or they'll they'll keep a player on. Oh, he's great in the locker room. He's great in the locker room. We need guys like him." And we always laugh, and you know, everyone does it. Oh, yeah, who gives a shit? Like, does he perform or not? You know, fucking nobody cares. And saying about Zach Smith, who had nineteen points, sixty-eight games last year. Matt Duchesne looked, I mean, he looked really pissed off, really pissed off that they'd sent him, you know, they'd put him on waivers. And I think it's that, like we said about the um, the Caps and the Knights and how non, nobody predicted it and even the fancy, you know, there's all these fancy stats and, but it turns out, you know, and we keep saying it, there is something to the other side of the game. There is something to that camaraderie in the dressing room, a guy in the dressing room who maybe doesn't put up points, but he's just good for the team. I mean, am I am I crazy here? But I don't know. That's that's what I got from the Matt Duchesne comments. No, definitely. Like there, it's like any any aspects of life. If you if you've ever played on any sort of team sports or whatever, or, or even in like a work environment or whatever, say yeah, wherever there's sort of a measure, or or even just any sort of hierarchy whatsoever, just because people are say, you know, the best players on your football team or the best salesman in your office, like they're not necessarily going to be the best of friends. You don't have clicks based off of skill necessarily. And just because Zach Smith isn't like a 40-goal scorer doesn't mean he's not going to be an integral part of that Ottawa Senators dressing room. And another thing that I thought was interesting about the Duchesne quote specifically where he said, like, it's a kick in the balls for the locker room. Um, part of me thinks if I'm if I was a centre... And you know, I see Zach Smith again. He's he has been integral is not the right word, but he's been cemented in as a part of the centres franchise. I think he was drafted by the centres as well. To then just be waived just because they want to get rid of him, that has got to make you think. Well, everyone's fucking expendable, then, isn't it? Like it's 
it's a great show of disrespect from the higher ups towards all of the players. Yeah, almost. Why should I? Why should I try my hardest and put myself out there every night when it gets to the time where you could maybe support me in something? You're just gonna you're just gonna send me to waivers anyway. Yeah. Well, why would I want st- to? Why would I make the effort? If I have a score in drought, I'm just gonna get waived. Yeah, and you know, the chances are you probably won't. But once once this thing start once things like this start to happen, you just you just kind of set a pre- you know the front office is just setting a precedent for the precedent for themselves, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. The president is setting a precedent. <laughs> so true. Um, you were you were raging about third jerseys to me on WhatsApp, Will. What's the pro- What's the problem? Well, okay, it's not about. Third jerseys and the existence of third jerseys. I, I, I will hold my hands up and say I love, love a cheeky third jersey. I want, I want the NHL to end up like the NBA and, and the NFL, where you have like a thousand jerseys a year. Like I'm in Chinese lettering on the front of my stars jersey. I want all that novelty <laughs> bullshit. John what has been like bet three, bet three six five stuff like that. That that is what I'm crying out for. That's absolutely <laughs> like, you know, NHL jerseys as they are. The old Barcelona kit before they started getting sponsored. That was, it's disgusting to me. I want massive advertisements from gambling companies spread all over my sportswear, all over it. Get rid of the, um, yeah, get rid of the logo off the front of the chest. Have it towards the top, <laughs> like like all like football jerseys towards top left. And, um, and just get a massive sort of gambling logo. Just, it'll happen, hey, it'll probably happen if they, incre- if they can increase revenue. A fucking tenfold do, if they just open up advertising Jesus do away with team names full stop start selling the naming yep. rights like you do to stadiums like you know I want I want the St. Louis Bet 365s I want the the New York William Hills um, <laughs> the Boston Brewer Paddy Powers the Boston Paddy Powers oh, you rather. just fucking yeah, I was going to say like Doc Emmerich oh my welcome to a game it's the Boston Betfreds versus the Dallas 365s <laughs> Boston Betfreds <laughs> Betfreds gambling horse racing Eddie the gold cup <laughs> oh, that's right Doc <laughs> we're here to unveil the 30 second franchise in the NHL please welcome the Seattle Ladbrokes <laughs> Good that's work, good work. That's what I I'm sure we're going to go with that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, what it was about third jerseys, just a recent just a on my chakras, I'm, I'm on it now. What has been fucking pissing me off this summer is, you know, because it's it, last season we had a, had a bit of a, you know, a hiatus from the third jerseys with, with the new Adi Zero jerseys coming in. Um, yeah. So all that you know, this is the first season back for the third jerseys. All of these teams that are bringing back basically the last third jersey that they had, and labelling it as "Oh, here's our brand new third jersey," like the Capitals and the Blue Jackets and the fucking Flames. Like they're all using jerseys that the last time they had a third jersey, it was exactly the same design except without that fucking ugly collar. Like you, that's not that's not new. That's not fucking new. That's oh, we're using this as our third jersey again. Welcome back. The like, if it's a welcome back, that's fine. Not introducing our new third jersey. It's just fuck it. It's lying. It's lying is what it is because it's not fucking new. There's not even a minute change apart from that dirty collar. It's, <laughs> it's disgraceful. 
By the way, I hate the new Adidas jerseys. Okay. Maybe that's why Eugene Melnick was rocking his old, uh, his 10-year-old <laughs> Senators jersey of the week. He's like you. He's a, he's a traditionalist. suck. Oh, I hate these fake laces. <laughs> but it's just like... Okay. Um, yeah, yeah they should have done it as a welcome. A welcome back would have been a good idea. You loved it so much, we've brought it back. Say hello, say hello to my old friend. This, this is the thing, like, these aren't even bad jerseys. I like it, like, the Calgary jersey is absolutely gorgeous. Um, like that St. Louis Blues jersey they're using is really nice. I, I love a bit of that. Um, the Capitals sort of red with the white yoke on the shoulders and the old logo, absolutely lovely. But they're not new. They're not fucking new. Apparently I'm in the minority as well for the uh, for the Jets jersey. Because you said to me that everyone seems to hate it, and I fucking love that. I thought it was really nice. I I can see why people don't like it, but I'd, I I like, I'm I'm a big fan of it. I think it's a nice shade of blue. Um, the logo is it is fine. It is that shade that's the color. Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit simplistic, but whatever, whatever. Like it's different. I that. It is different. I'll give you that. They're making. They've got that giant. Um, Jets there for when they have the when they have the sponsors on, haven't they? The gambling sponsors. There's just so much space for for extra sponsoring, like the European teams. Yeah, for the Winnipeg eight 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 dot coms or something. <laughs> Winnipeg um, Dax. Yeah, you, you know who else has got about... um, two oh, third God. jerseys. <laughs> two <laughs> two third jerseys. Does that make it a fourth jersey, or have you just got two two alternates? I don't know, but go on. It's the old uh, the old Carolina Hurricanes having um they do, today yeah. today release their um their heritage jersey to um you know honouring a team that they no longer are. Which for me, for me, Dan, yeah, it's not it's not really right, is it? They're not there. No, it's not. Not there. Not the Carolina I didn't, I, I didn't get a chance to read it, but there's, a, there's already a Sportsnet article up about. Um, it's just a, it's just a massive slap in the face to Whalers fans. <laughs> we took your team and we took your fucking jersey. Now suck it. <laughs> oh, ter- yeah, it is a it is a power move. It's a complete power move. It's it's, it's, a... it's, um, it's taking it's taking your friend's girl and then taking her to prom. <laughs> just like, look, I'm with her now. She should dance with me tonight. This Sucker. is mine. <laughs> like, I, I, I forget who it was that put it on Twitter, but someone made the point of, like, Whalers fans aren't going to buy it because they've already got their old Whalers gear and they're not going to want to support the team that, you know, was taken away from them. Hurricanes fans aren't going to buy it because it's like, well, that's not the Hurricanes. I'm a Hurricanes fan. I'm going to buy my Hur- I've already got my Hurricanes jerseys. This is purely a money grab for every other neutral fan in the league that was like, oh, fucking yeah, cheeky little Whalers jersey. I'm going to look like a really smart and cultured hockey fan by having a Whalers jersey now. Like, it's such a, such a money grab. It's That's a great point. Shameless. Yeah, that jersey's been released for every other fan, hasn't it? Mm. <laughs> That's such a good point. I didn't even think of it like that. I've got to find who put that because I feel bad... Um, not crediting him 
and it's it's a nice jersey. I must admit, I think the the striping and stuff comes a bit too far up the belly for my liking. Um, but yeah, it's not. I, I'm not about it. Right. Other other fans are going to buy it, so that other hockey fans will see them in the street and go, "Oh, he's a, oh wow, he's a real fan because he's got a Whalers jersey." So he must have been liking the sport for years. Yeah, exactly. It was um, it was Jeff Fillette that put that. So so shout out to Jeff. Um, the the other thing that's annoyed me about this happening, you know, partly there's a bit of a stench of Tom Dundon on this because they haven't <laughs> they've had all these all these years to do this and they haven't done it. Suddenly a new money smart owner comes in and like, oh, let's uh, make a bit of money, shall we? But there are plenty of other teams in the league that are in a similar position to Carolina. Where you know, Carolina's not been their only home. They have a heritage of being a different team that's relocated. Not a one of them has released a jersey that's not their jersey. Like you know, Arizona aren't out there wearing Winnipeg Jets jerseys from the eighties. Like the my beloved Stars aren't wearing North Stars jerseys anywhere. Um, like the Avalanche aren't wearing Nordic stuff. You know, the list goes on. It's yeah, I don't know, it, it's not really a done thing, is it? No, but it's a done done thing. Oh that was beautiful. That was Come incredible. on. That was absolutely incredible. Thank you very much. I do th- you know when you know when uh, his press conference obviously Tom Dundon said that well I'm gonna change the way people look at hockey and the way things are done. Maybe he meant this. He didn't mean the, the hockey side of things. He meant like pissing off his own he meant pissing off the fans of his team now. And the fans of the team that used to be, he's just going to piss them all off. I'm Maybe going to that. completely Maybe that's outside the box thinking. I'm going to completely disrespect the entire hockey world in you know in order to make a quick buck. And yeah. I must admit, colour me surprised that a man who made his money on dodgy <laughs> payday loans would do such a an unscrupulous thing for um for money. It's true. I mean, I guess we'll see that when the uh, when the Washington Wongas premiere in a couple of years <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I I'm like that, one as well. I, that was a good one I'm, I'm running out of um, betting companies <laughs> I know me, me too but Wonka came into my head and I thought oh, I've already used Winnipeg I can't use Washington yes Washington Wongas there we go I, I feel I feel bad that I've already missed out on using the Seattle scratch cards for, um, for my example <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how scratch cards. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> hey, someone else. Somebody else who's gambling will is apparently Conor McDavid with his health. <laughs> you don't I feel know. like I feel like we've not had good. I feel like we've not had good transitions for ages. <laughs> we're just rolling them off on this one. Um, Absolutely cracking about today. Um, so do, do, go on. You do. You do it. You've 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 earned it with that yeah. beautiful segue. Thank you. So yeah, um, at Mark James seventy six on Twitter, Connor or capitals, um, colon close brackets. Please look into natural health alternatives for the flu this year. Apple cider vinegar and coconut oil will keep you from getting the flu if you take them every day. Skip the toxic flu shot. Full stop. Go Oilers! Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Colon close brackets. <laughs> well, homeopathic remedies, in or out? 
I've I've got to say out that fear of um potentially offending some friends of mine who I'm I'm certainly hoping aren't listening at this point. Um, the, <laughs> so so McDavid didn't miss any time last season, but he was visibly suffering with the flu last year, which um, yeah, it didn't stop him putting up points left, right, and centre. But it's one of those ones where you think, well, if he didn't have the flu, maybe you'd have put up, 50, yeah, maybe you'd have scored fifty and fifty. Um, maybe he would have won the Hart Trophy. <gasps> it's a, Sorry. This tweet starts off, <laughs> um, you know, sort of regular crazy, and to be fair, recommending like apple cider vinegar and uh, what is it, coconut water? He recommends coconut oil. Coconut oil. That's I can I can sort of you know I can I can get that like apple cider vinegar is meant to be the the one you know uh, from the mother and all that I'm I'm down with the kids I know I know the remedies but then just to take it to another level and be like I know oh, the remedies P.S. Jesus. I'm I'm an anti-vaxxer like I've I've encountered anti-vaxxers before in my time but never in my life have I seen someone bargaining with a professional athlete on Twitter to not vaccinate themselves like what the fucking fuck is wrong with this guy do you know what the wild thing for me was it was shouting at him at the start it was the old caps Connor <laughs> you have to a, see this it was, smi- it was a smiley face afterwards so it was oi I'm not crazy but and that's what it kind of came across as. Ah oh dear, the toxic flu shot will toxic. Maybe he thinks that. Maybe he thinks that when he got the flu shot, Connor was given the flu. I thought that's what it was like. Aren't most vaccines no, just they, like? They apparently they did this on QI, and it's not true. They don't give you the flu at all. It's, a, it's something completely different. Not like I'm going to believe Stephen Fry. He doesn't know fucking shit. He doesn't know anything. Now, here's the contrarian in me. The contrarian in me is going to come out now. Because Are you you an anti-vaxxer? No, 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 not at all, no. I mean, Christ, but yeah, vaccinate everything if you can. I'm getting my (laughs) business out of here for sure. There's no way I'm... (laughs) Yeah, vaccinate everything. (laughs) Just give me every vaccination you've got, even ones for, like, horses and stuff. I'll take it. But... I get really bad. I get really bad hay fever, as I've mentioned, as I mentioned over the summer, probably every episode. And my dad went to, um, you know, those bullshit like local county fair shows where it's, oh, we're celebrating the tomato, and everyone makes things out of fucking tomatoes and and you know tomato cakes and shit like that. And people sell their wares to pay for I don't know lights and things. He got me uh, a bottle of this stuff. It was it's like a a two litre glass bottle and it was made from all natural things I mean there was like dandelion and rose hips and all kinds of stuff and the guy said to him if you have bad hay fever um, drink drink three half mugs of this every day so breakfast, lunch and tea but you've got to have it from the microwave, it's got to be warmed in the microwave for 30 seconds beforehand so as somebody who suffered with hay fever since I was literally from birth I thought, well, I'll, I'll fucking give it a shot. Why not? And it, <laughs> not kidding. By the second day, I felt the best I've ever felt in the summer. Ever. Get the fuck out of here! Like, Drinking that's, this stuff. That's absolute snake oil. 
I swear to God, it's, I know. I, I I know what. I so wanted it to not work. <laughs> so I go back to my dad and go, oh, "That's fucking shit." Thanks a lot. That's, I know. That's it, fucking it Abe Simpson's miracle tonic right there. It was. And that's the thing. Like, I couldn't even. I couldn't even. I, I couldn't even think it was some kind of placebo effect because I I couldn't pretend to feel better because my eyes itch, my nose runs, I get a sore throat, and it all went in a day. Just vanished. I just felt like normal. Are you I sure thought, you didn't? Oh, God. Instead of praying the gay away, you prayed the hay fever away. <laughs> prayed the hay fever away. Maybe I don't know. I've tried that before as well. As I'm just like lying in bed at one o'clock in the morning, not able to breathe. <laughs> please, please, I'll go to church and everything. I promise. Spoilers, I wouldn't. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you, are you still you drinking this? this are you still drinking this like geezer's weird juice cereal? <laughs> this geezer's allotment water. <laughs> no, I'm not. Because obviously, now the summer's finished, I'm fine. After after it gets... Around about the end of August, I start to feel better again. Because the pollen count, you know, the pollen count drops and it gets colder and it's all fine. So, But come next year, I'll, ha- I'll have to buy it again. I'll have to. Because it was amazing. I think it's going to be the sort of thing where you go back to the field where your dad saw him and um, <laughs> and he's not there. And everyone's like, no, there was never that strange caravan with the weird <laughs> mustachioed man out the back selling hay fever remedies. <laughs> so true. And then I find, I find a label off a bottle. He was here. He was here. And they're just denying going, no, he wasn't. Sorry. I don't know what you're talking about, mate. No, he was here. I remember him vividly. <laughs> I can't wait to follow your journey searching for him across the, the known worlds <laughs> I'm hoping I'm hoping we get the same thing with Connor. we get to follow Connor's journey this year when he starts in, in the end of the season he wins the heart trophy or does win the cup and they say to him how do you feel oh I feel amazing I'll be taking apple cider vinegar and coconut oil every day I've never felt so alive <laughs> next summer he's not going to go to biosteel camp he's going to go to apple cider vinegar camp <laughs> yeah He's gonna rock up this guy at this Mark James house. Like, hi, uh, have you got any more of that stuff? Yeah, man, come in. <laughs> Have as much as you want. I, f- I feel amazing. Oh, yeah. Man. So sorry. Part of me can believe in it in some of it because I died the proof. I had the proof last year. That's um, eye-opening, Quick, uh, to say the least. Go on. Ah, that's yeah. it. I'm done. We, we 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 cannot forget we cannot forget a quick shout out to Liam Kirk as we uh, as we follow his journey. His uh, first point on an assist and then his first goal last week or this week, which was great. Solid, absolutely solid opening to uh, Liam Clark, Liam Kirk's soon to be illustrious OHL career. I'm uh, very true. I like great great goal, decent shot. You know, beat the. Beat the goalie clean. What more could you want? But um, the yeah. thing that I noticed and particularly liked about the points that Kirk's picked up so far, um, like they were both off off solid four checks. So is is um yeah. his both robberies weren't they? Like rob the rob the demon. Absolute robberies. The 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 assist came from yeah just breaking up the play. I think it was I think it ended up as a second assist maybe. But you know just good, putting good pressure on the D man, breaking up the play. And then the second one, yeah, just robs the robs the deep and goes wide and then beats the goalie. It's that sort of pressure. I'm I'm no scout, like yeah, you know, I'm 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 talking out my arse here, really. But that sort of pressure that 
is you know he's let's be quite frank it's going to be very unlikely for Liam Kirk to make the, the NHL as like a, a sniper or a scorer he's going to have to be like an energy lower in the lineup kind of guy that has to produce you know uh, not produce but um make his mark with plays like that solid forecheck disrupting the play all that sort of old good old Canadian boy bullshit and it's it's yeah. good to see that he's he's already doing that sort of thing at, at the junior level do you think he's do you think he's feeling any pressure from home not not directly but do you think he's aware that everybody who likes hockey in the UK is watching his pretty much every move and how he gets that or do you think he's just not one of those guys who cares that much about that and he's going to you know and obviously he's going to work hard anyway because it's what he loves to do and it's, and it's an unbelievable opportunity for him but there is there is some pressure there isn't it because everyone in the UK is just watching it thinking oh my god this is it this could be the guy this is the guy like whether or not he's feeling that pressure is another question um yeah. But yes, it's undoubtable that the pressure's there because, like, have you seen that video that the Pete's made the other day of him like packing up the jerseys and sending them to Puckstop? Oh, yeah, yeah. That both both the Peterborough Pete's and the Arizona, Arizona Coyotes are not shying away from the fact that they've got a good marketing tool in Liam Kirk. Like they are, you oh, know, yeah, as, sure. as simple as you know having Liam supposedly pack up boxes of jerseys and send them over to uh to puck stop to be sold in the uk um there were plenty of interviews and like twitter takeover type things that liam kirk did um you know little video features on him that's that's got to be enough for for any 18 year old like that there's more more of a spotlight perversely there's more of a spotlight on liam kirk than there is on the average canadian prospect just because he's such a rarity. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, totally. It'd be completely understandable if he is feeling that pressure, but, yeah, whether that, that is actually getting to him or not, or not is another another question entirely. Because if he makes, you know... You know, I'm not going to say if. When he makes the uh, the Coyotes NHL roster, whenever that's going to be, I'll probably get a Liam Kirk jersey. I probably will, because I'll feel... I don't know. I, I will feel like a sense of pride. You'll you'll feel yeah. like you yourself have uh, made the NHL basically. Yeah, like I do when I play NHL eighteen and I win the Stanley Cup. I mean, I've won that cup now. That's it. I've I can cross that off my bucket list. <laughs> I've won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to brag, Dan, but I've actually been a hundred point scorer in the NHL and uh, won the Hart Trophy. <gasps> Here's a fucking question for you regarding NHL oh, games. On. This is something I always ask people. Do you create your? You must create yourself then and put yourself in the game. Every, not every single time, yeah. but yes. mate, I'm an absolute yes. man, pots and pans. sucker. Absolute, I live. Oh yeah, for create a player. That's that's my jam right there. Oh god, me too. Do you want to know how bad? Do you want to know how bad I get? This is. Oh, you're not. Christ. You're not a 99 overall kind of guy, are you? No, that's fucking... I will fight... Like I'm going to fight that dad. I will fight people if they give themselves 99 overall. Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you to give yourself 99 overall? Fuck out of here. I'm not having that. No way. That's bullshit. I will make myself... I won't even give myself great stats to start off with. So when I put myself... When I put myself, obviously, into the Bruins, I'll normally start third line, maybe second line, if there's any injuries. 
definite third. I'm not going to be the fourth liner, you know. Can I'm not grinding that hard. It's a game for fuck's sake. But I'll go third line, maybe second. But in the, like after a couple of seasons, okay. Once I've traded Bergeron away, I'm the guy who steps up. <laughs> it's so stupid. I feel like I, I feel like my character has to earn it a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, there's got to be that element. I like in recent years, I've like put in like low elite as the um, yeah, as the yeah. potential. So it's like there is a little bit of oh, it might happen, it might not, sort of thing. See what happens. Oh, it's just so that's that's the point of the game, so isn't it? Like it's got to be a little of a little bit of um, yeah, living the dream sort of thing. Yeah, that kind of dream, you know, that escapism. Yeah, I'm playing for this team. Kind of, all right. <laughs> this is gonna, this is gonna, this is like gonna be really rough, and I'm just gonna get laughed at. But or it's gonna be, and people, some of them going, I do that. I will also create five or six of my friends. Hey. I'll put, I'll put them in the game, and I'll just see where their careers go. I don't. I never sign. I can never sign them because I make them all. They're all going to be really. I put them all as high elite prospects, so they're all going to be really good. But I never sign them, and I just see where their career takes them. I used. To, I did it on Football Manager all the time. I'd put them as you know a sixteen-year-old wonder kid at Rochdale or Berry or Scunthorpe or whatever, and then I could never sign them. But I would just see what happened with them in the end. So it's you really end up cool like a few cool. years into your franchise, and it's you and all your mates just bossing the NHL. <laughs> Yeah, my mate Rick um, is a four-time Selkie winner. It's really cool <laughs> on NHL 18. Congratulations, he just, Rick. He just cleans up. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I would tell them, I would say, okay, where do you want to play? Who do you want to Because I've got some of my friends, they don't, they're not crazy into it, but they're like some of them have a team. Like I don't watch baseball, but I have a team just because I picked a team years ago as an affiliation and that's it. So my mate Benny is always a D-man for the Devils. And he's, you know, he's, he, there's a couple of uh, a couple of Norris trophies in there and stuff like that. But then, two, but then two of my two of my friends ended up on the same team. Um, who did they end up playing for? They both ended up on the Wild because the Wild bottomed out. They got the first overall pick and they traded away all their players, and then they had loads of money left over to sign those two guys. And my friends, they always end up making sort of, they always end up getting like nine, ten million dollar contracts. As well, because they're so good. Does any of that still into fun. real life? As like, oh come on, yeah, I've I've earned this much, and you know, put it on your CV, sort of thing. Yeah, and then when I'll message them to say how they're doing, they always say which one of us is making the most money. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they ever say. Not who scored the most goals, who won this, and it's like a, it's a, it becomes a funny little kind of um, competition between them to find out who's doing well. Because Rick's the most successful individual player um, on my last NHL 18. Because, like I say, he won, he, was, he, he won four Selkies. And my friend Benny got a couple of Norrises. There was a Hart Trophy in there for one of them. But, you know, Rick was the best individually. But every, but then they all won a cup, except my mate Sven. And he was at <laughs> Dallas, and they never won a cup. And they had a re- their top six was insane. It was in- Honestly, it was absolutely insane. But they just never won a cup. And I, I always assumed they were going to. Um, but yeah, it's, and it's obviously all Sven's fault they, they never won the cup. He just yeah. <laughs> like how Ovechkin couldn't get the Capitals over the over the hump. Sven just couldn't drag the stars over the hump, and it's just uh, it's true. It's clearly not it's all he's cut out to be. Quick, quick thing on NHL nineteen. <clears throat> how is because, it? Because uh, it's really good. It's really good. They've changed the um, the skating mechanic alone is a massive improvement. The players look like they can actually turn 
I mean, well, they can. They t- they can turn way tighter when they start to pick up speed down the ice. You know that kind of stutter step run they do to get going. Mm. That happens now. It's not oh, just one cool. skate motion all the time. It's really good. The poke check's been nerfed crazily. You take so many poke check penalties early doors until you get used to it. Um, but it's great. It's great. I, I'm really enjoying it. I'm actually playing a lot of Ultimate Team, which I never play. Mm. Uh, but they've got a ton of there's a ton um, of offline challenges to do to kind of get points and cards and money and that kind of thing. So you can, I've just spent all my time doing that so far. Oh, that's cool. So you don't just have exactly. to play rank matches online to get get your team better, sort of thing. Nope. Oh, no. Nope. There's daily challenges. So there's daily challenges, which are usually things like um, complete a set, uh, score five goals, play ten games. And you know that's that. Then there's progression challenges, which is um, normally take you sort of a week or so. Which is score, you know, things like score 100 goals, get 50 hits, um, accumulate 20 stars from the challenge games. But then um, all the offline challenge series are involving teams from all over the world. So like all the European teams are in there, AHL, OHL, everybody. And obviously, the harder you get, the better your rewards are. So when you play, um, for example, there's, for example, there's one called um, I think it's called road tripping, where you play um, five different teams from each um, league, like OHL, AHL, up to NHL. But it, if you do the first challenge, it's something like you've got to try and score a goal, uh, don't take any penalty minutes, and keep a shot out. So it's and it's like it's, it's only two minute periods, so they go really quickly. But if you do that. You get 400 points, 450, 500 points for each challenge. But then as you get to the last one, it's something like you're playing a much better team, but then it's like have 20 shots, um, score a shorthanded goal, score a breakaway goal. So the challenges are a bit harder to do. Um, But yeah, it's honestly, it's a ton of fun. It's, it's, I think it's really improved, really improved. That, that sounds that sounds like they've actually done more than just say you know saying oh, we've changed the gameplay a little bit and you know added one pointless little mode on on franchise mode or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they have. They seem to have. Um, they seem to have really um, put the work in this time, which is good. Which is because really, I wasn't even. Gonna, I said to you, didn't I? I'm not buying it. What's the fucking point? <laughs> Less than a week later, you've got a little photo of bloody PK Subban. <laughs> I know it's true. It's true, but it's yeah. If you get the chance, mate, it's a uh, well worth picking up. I'll have to uh, have to give it a go at some point. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, what do you want to do? What should we do? What should we do? Do you want to do the um, yeah the uh, Oposo story? Yeah, yeah, we can we can touch on that quickly. Like that's um, that's something else, isn't it? It's um, so it's an article in the Athletic uh, about you know, something that I personally wasn't really that aware of uh, you know people might might well have forgotten that a couple of years ago Carla Poso went down towards the end of the season with um, they didn't even really describe it much at the time that it was basically undiagnosed issues you know he's in the ICU sort of thing and then start of next season he's back in the Sabres uniform and everyone's forgotten about it basically but um, long story short he, he takes a hit in training Um apparently hits his head on the boards suffers a concussion but the concussion reacted he reacted to the concussion in such a way that it sort of 
let out some repressed memories and gave him quite severe brain trauma for a time and basically lost function. Have you have you have you read it, Dan? <clears throat> no, I've still not read it now. No, so it's I, I I must admit I haven't finished it because it's it's a really hard story to read, really really hard. Um, so Oposo takes the hit in training, um, suffers a concussion there and then, but he doesn't quite realise. But he, immediately it has an effect on his personality, such a minor effect to start with that he doesn't necessarily notice. It was um the the first thing that he says happens was comes off the ice. And he had like a protein milkshake that he never had before, or or one that he'd had previously but doesn't drink anymore, sort of thing. And sort of thing he hadn't, he would never touch under normal circumstances. But he just thought, oh god, then I'll, I'll give this flavour a go, or whatever, whatever was the difference. And then apparently he goes home and and straight away his wife's like, all right, something's a bit off with him. He's not necessarily exhibiting concussion sim- like symptoms yet, but his personality is off. Um, apparently he became far more outspoken. Uh, he's normally quite a reserved player as far as things go, but he became far more outspoken, preaching things about you know playing the game right, you know really getting on people's backs about putting in the effort and stuff. Um, even going to the extent where he was apparently phoning people from his past who he perceived to have wronged him, and you know telling them off. Like this, this is a guy who apparently isn't very confrontational off the ice, and he's he's going to the lengths of phoning people he hasn't spoken to in a decade and having a go at them. And all all the while, he's not necessarily exhibiting regular concussion-like symptoms. So from there, it absolutely goes to pot. Like he doesn't sleep for days. Um, he, you know, it starts. You know, he can't can't stand the light. You know, he's getting more traditional concussion-like symptoms um and and this is where it gets really hard like he he got to a point where he was begging his wife to put him in a coma so that he could go to sleep um threatening to to jump out of a window just just so that he could go to sleep and stop the pain in his head um so he ends up going to to the hospital and like his his, his condition just deteriorates like he is He's lost, men- mentally lost. Um, apparently, he's um, yeah in and out of consciousness. When he is conscious, he's he's barely consolable. Um, the thing that they keep coming back to is is him. the 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 image they paint is is his wife. Forgive me, I forget her name, but she's sitting out in the corridor outside of his of his room. You know, whatever time of night it is, whatever time of day, you know, she's she's as much of a mess as as he is because of the strain that it puts on your partner. Um, and he, you know, repeatedly cries out, "Rings, rings, rings," and and that means that he wants to feel her engagement slash wedding rings. And apparently, she would sit at his bedside for hours at a time, and the only thing that would comfort him during this delirium is to feel her wedding rings on her finger because that was the only thing bringing him back to sanity sort of thing. And it's... Yeah, like, it's it's intense and just the way... They don't, like... Oposo's never spoken about it, but it's it was supposedly to do with 
repressed memories that he'd had from his childhood, a childhood trauma that he and his sister shared, um, finally coming back and, and causing some sort of mental block, mental breakdown, whatever it was, um, to put him in such a state. And it's it's, it's a really, really well-written... I, I, forgive me, I forget who, who wrote it, but a fantastic story on The Athletic, as they usually are. Harrowing, absolutely horrible to read, like... It's you know to to put yourself in a poso's shoes and and think about and and his family and and what they went through and you know something that ultimately as as innocuous as a as a poorly timed hit in training nobody's out there to to injure anyone or anything like that he's just taken an awkward fall and and the effect that it's ha- it has on him like it's horrendous and it really makes you realise just how little we understand brain trauma. There are so many, I, I mean, hockey itself is a fantastic, albeit terrible case study for, for the effects that you know trauma can have on, on a person. But I'd, as far as I'm aware, you know, that's not common result of having a concussion. And it's just, yeah, really something else. Um, yeah, fucking hell, that sounds horrendous. Um, have I ever told... Have I ever spoken to you at all on here about what happened to my mum? Not that I recall, no. Okay, so yeah, I can understand this completely because um, my mum's died now, but she was uh, six, seven years ago. She had an aneurysm in her brain that burst and it caused a bleed on her brain. Mm. And obviously she was, you know, her brain was essentially starved of oxygen. And... She was in intensive care for it's about two months. So they operated on her, you know, they operated on her immediately, mm. and then um, she was in intensive care for like two months. Then on high dependency unit for about a month and a half, and then on a regular ward then for God probably a few more months. And she ended, she ended up having to live in a, um, in a like a, in a care home because she, she had complete left sided paralysis and she had like issues where. This is kind of what I was getting at, is that the brain is so... I mean, you have no idea what goes on in there and how it can, no. you know, things can affect you and, like, hits to the head. And I know hers was, you know, it's not a hit to the head, but it was the same, you know, same body part, basically. So I can I can just link it to that in that the things that we were concerned that when she was operated on, we would say, well, what's what's the chance that she even knows who we are? You know, is is, is it worth us saying... You know, fine. It's not worth it. Just we'll just let her go and we'll just deal with it afterwards, kind of thing. And the doctor said, "Well, I don't know." I, you know, he said it's the brain. And this, you know, this guy's a brain. All he did was brain surgery. He's a, an absolute fucking genius. I mean, to do that thing every day. I mean, you must be so like smart, and you you have to be so well versed in it and everything that goes on in it. And I don't know how. Um, because when they showed me the uh, they showed me the X ray of her because here's the thing as well like I'm an, I'm an only child and my parents had split up so I was then responsible for her and all decisions regarding her care and well being and everything and when they showed me the X ray of her brain the entire right side was was dark so the bleed the bleed had just carried on for like ages and anyway it had not been stopped for ages um, and the doctor sort of said to me 
he says, he says, look, he says, I do this every day. He says, but there's things I can't tell you about the brain and why it does this and why it does that. He says that she, he says that she might wake up and remember every single person in her life. He said, or oh, she might wake up and say, what, who are you? And every day you go back and see her, she'll never remember who you are. And you just think, fucking hell. And just hearing that then, you're like, there's something just locked in or Proso's brain about those rings that he knows they belong to the person who's like probably the most important to him at that time. And he just wants them because that's that's it. It's something tangible he can hold. Like, I know who these belong to. I know what this is. It's This is my comfort thing right now. And the, the way my mum was really weird is that she, luckily, fucking, it's going to discuss about a fucking humongous life-changing shout out Mr. Farrer at the Walton Centre in Liverpool an absolute fucking hero of a man who um, is a brain surgeon and operated on it and brought her back from basically nothingness and she remembered who everyone was he completely saved that part of her brain she knew who I was and my daughter and she got to meet my daughter and you know all that kind of thing Um, but she would get super confused when if she went to sleep and so if she had if she had a two minute nap, when my mum then woke up, it was the next day. You could not tell her it was the same day. And it just it used to baffle us. So we'd say, look, mum, like the same things on the TV. You were just watching this two minutes ago. She'd be like, no, 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 it's the next day. It's the next day. And you could never tell her. You could never tell her otherwise. But th- but she could. But we we put a song. Uh, we put the radio on for her. And there'd be a song on from like 1983. And she knew every single word. And I'd say to her, how do you know this song? And she's like, well, I remember I remember listening to it when I did this, this and this. I said, mum, I said, that was like 25 years ago. How do you remember that? She's like, oh, no, I just know it. But then <laughs> like 10 minutes later, she'd have a nap and wake up and be like, well, it's Saturday now. No, it's not. It's still Friday, mum. Nope, Saturday. Daniel, don't it's try telling me it's like, not Saturday. Because it's probably yeah, Saturday. It's just, <laughs> And just listening to what, you know, that that's, that just brought it all back. Like, yeah, you just... And I suppose, again, we're back in talking about, you know, concussions and the way they work and everything. And the brain is so... I don't know. It's such a, a wild, uh, kind of crazy thing that you just never know what's going on in there. And there were people when she was on... When she came out of ICU and she was on um, on the ward... The, the people on the ward had also kind of had head injuries. Mm. And to, to see the various stages that they were at was, Christ, man, like you really appreciate what you've got in life. I mean, you just, I mean, I, I, I do it anyway um, because that's just kind of how I am. But anytime I start to think about, oh, this is bullshit. Why can't I do this today? Or, oh, you know, my daughter woke me up at six o'clock this morning. That's fucking shit. I just I always think back to that that ward and what was going on in there. And some people just they had no idea who their relatives were. Some people had they would have friends who would visit them and they knew all of their friends, but they didn't know a single one of their relatives. And it's it's insane. It's just insane seeing it. And and just on that for the last thing on that Oposo story, there's a, a horrific quote in there from, from Oposo himself saying that while he was in in the ICU suffering with this, he, he, he wasn't afraid of dying. The thing that scared him the most was carrying on living and, and losing his ability to recognise his, his wife and his, and his kids. 
That's just like, yeah. mate, too much. So, yeah, so right. So just to quickly off that as well, when my mum first got, when the ambulance first took her to, the, the, the first bit, <laughs> no one knows these places, but I'm just, because it's just in my mind. The first place she went to was a hospital, uh, was Warrington, which is the closest hospital to me. And they said, there's nothing we can do. She is well beyond any of our capabilities. But the people at the Walton, we've rung Walton Centre in Liverpool, and they said, yes, she can go there. And I said, and they said, you have to decide now what happens. Because it's on you, you have to give permission basically for your mum to go there because we don't know about her religious background, her wishes, her will, anything. You know, she might want X, Y, or Z. And the one thing my mum always said to me was, if I ever get in a situation where I don't know who people are, just let me go. Don't try and save me because I won't, you know, I don't, I don't want that out of my life. And that's the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's that because, because again, it's God, it's horrendous. It's so horrendous to think about that you just, you couldn't even recognize your wife or your kid. And then to just, you know, and for Poso's wife as well to then have to live with that because she's married to him. She loves him. You know, she has to go and see him every day. And then for him to maybe not know who she is some days or to just start to forget who she is. Oh, God, man. It's the worst. Or to, to even yeah, you know, be faced with the reality that that could possibly happen. Like To go through that is just... Yeah, because it... Yeah, it is. Yeah, good, good reading, but hard reading. Thoroughly, thoroughly yeah. hard reading. Man, let's let's just hope. Let's just hope, God forbid, if you're listening to this or you know somebody who's ever gone through this or anything, just, you know, <laughs> just stay strong, okay? And just do your best. Because, yeah, it, let me tell you, Will, it fucking sucks at times. It really fucking sucks. I, I don't doubt. And I can totally, I can... I, I can maybe relate to that story more than any other story we've ever told on here. Fucking hell. God, poor guy. Jesus Christ. I know. And then to, and to to come back to the NHL like six months later. Madness. I know. I was just going to say, I was going to say, and just to, to get us back to, you know, properly back to hockey, to then carry on playing afterwards. Like, it must affect him, though. Like, any time you're going to get checked or something or... You know, you're going along the boards, you know, retrieving the puck or something. In the back of his mind, he must be thinking, oh, shit, I hope I don't get that hit. Or I hope I don't get the hit that sends me fucking crazy again or something. And, uh, again, must like, do, I... Must play on your mind. I, um, I and Jabam a few... I don't know when it was, early this year, just playing a bit of roller. Um, and, and yeah, after after that... It sticks in your mind, like it, it definitely affected. I mean, I'm not fucking, I'm not even a good rec hockey player, let alone a pro. But like, once you get hurt playing any sort of sport, you you must know yourself, Dan. Like, it affects the way you play. Like, yeah, you become more hesitant just because you you know firsthand what can happen if you if you're not careful. Yeah, and then sometimes that can lead you to get injured again, can't it? Because you're not yeah. protecting yourself properly or something. You're thinking too much about the other side of it, and you don't. You end up getting hurt again. Yeah, you're being too cautious, and you're not. Um, not yeah, you're making yourself more vulnerable for it. Yeah, totally, totally. Fucking hell, unbelievable. Um, let's go on to something else. Proper hockey. Uh, the Shea Theodore contract. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. Um, <sighs> I have flip-flopped on this completely. I I was so easily swayed on this contract by different sides of the argument that I didn't even get a point. I, didn't, I, didn't, I couldn't even formulate my own point in the end. 
I just kept thinking, oh yeah, you're right. It's, it's terrible. It's a really bad deal. And I'd scroll down on Twitter and the next guy would say, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. <laughs> so as I have no opinion, because I just can't make my own mind up, what do you think? I, I'm a little bit flip-floppy myself, to be honest, Dan. Like, when he, <laughs> when he first signed it, I thought, oh, that's a... That's a big one for a um for a player who's not played a full season in the NHL yet. Um yeah. but it seems to be you know, you look at you look at the contracts that are being handed out for young defensemen and Shea Theodore's still only twenty two and he had a good yeah. season last year. He had like what, twenty nine points in sixty two games, something along those lines. Like yeah, there's yeah. no doubt in Theodore's talent. And it seems to be the you know, the nature of the beast nowadays. We're, we're, I'm looking at comparable contracts on on cap friendly. Recently, you've got Jacob Slavin signed a seven year deal in 2017. You know, Nikita Zaitsev signed a seven year deal after one year in the in the NHL. John Klingberg a couple of years ago, seven years, all around that sort of between four and five and a half million mark. It seems that the trend at the moment is to lock up your young D that you think are going to be the future. Take a take a risk on that contract. So, you know, best case scenario, you get like what John Klingberg has. You have a borderline Norris candidate coming in at four point two five million for the next four seasons, which is just criminal. Similar to to Roman Yossi, actually, he's uh he's on a, a four million dollar deal, and that so that's still got a couple of years left on that. Um, and then worst case scenario, you've got. Say yeah, Nikita Zaitsev, who who had a bad year last year, still has um has quite five years I think left on his um maybe six years left on his contract, whatever it is, a relatively manageable cap hit as far as it goes at four point five million, and he's still young enough that he might bounce back and turn into a serviceable D man, and I think that's exactly what you're looking at with um yeah it in a way, it's a uh, um. No, no, that's not going to make any sense. But but it's the sort of contract that best best case scenario, great. Worst case scenario, probably manageable. And you're only going to get to to being a hundred percent in that worst case scenario when you're already a few years into the contract. Like if Shea Theodore has a bad year this year, that's not cemented that he's going to be a bad player. He's going to have to have another couple of bad seasons where you're like, all right, yeah, he's not the player we thought he was going to be. And then you've just got a. 5.2 million cap hit for four more seasons like that's that's a lot of time but it's more manageable than, than a nine million dollar cap hit you know what i mean yeah for sure i feel as well that this was like this was one of those cases where when it's on paper you just think oh well it's not that great a contract or it's an okay contract but in reality when you've got the kind of decor that the knights have got which isn't great you then start thinking, we need to lock up a couple of these guys long-term. And a guy like Shea Theodore, who has potential, if he's not happy to sign, it just doesn't look good for the rest of the team. And then it kind of comes off, well, the players really want to sign there? Do they want to go there? You know, they've got this young D-man, he's not ready to put down roots and play for this team, doesn't really look great. And I thought, well, yeah. In the end, it kind of made sense to me that, and I think... I think, like you say, in in a couple of years, we might be looking back and saying, "Christ, can you believe when he cost? He's only five point two. Absolutely, should be at least eight. As <laughs> as it stands, Theodore is the night's best young D man. Yeah, they've got players like Eric Brandstrom who's meant to be coming through and, and is going to be a good player. But 
at the moment, as far as the NHL talent goes, he's their number one D-man, really. And you've got to lock a player like that up, like uh, like Brady Shea in um in New York. Yeah. And I'm um, just doing a bit of research on the back of this because I wanted to, you know, when I first heard it, I, I wanted to be like, oh, that's terrible. He's oh, he's not even proved himself yet. But just comparing, you know, um, Theodore's season last year to to a couple of comparables um, in Mike Matheson and Jacob Slavin, you know, the seasons that they had the year before they signed their big ticket contracts. Matheson on an eight year and, and Jacob Slavin on a seven year, all at a similar cap hit. He stands up to be honest. Like he didn't have as good a season as Mike Matheson had in sixteen seventeen. I never realised just how good Mike Matheson is. Um he's fantastic at, at zone entries, he's really great at um shot generation and, and um and stopping zone entries the other way. But I mean, Shea Theodore, you know, he's he really outperformed Jacob Slavin in the year, but before Slavin signed his uh, big ticket contracts, Theodore's fantastic at zone entries from the looks of it. Um, good at preventing um, preventing zone entries coming the other way. He's got good shot contributions, whereas Slavin, who's you know renowned league wide for being a good young number one D man, he wasn't bad that season his shot contribution was atrocious but none of his stats match up to what Theodore did last year so yeah doing a bit of diving into the uh to the analytics of it I've I've got a lot of faith in what Theodore can do on paper yeah and yeah that's the um like we said you that you just you know you made the point you gotta you gotta get these guys signed up because you don't want it to be a situation where it just goes too far and then you're looking at a bigger contract and you're paying for potential, aren't you? So, this way is that. I, uh, I think it was. I think it was a. Yeah, I think it was a fair enough. I think by flip flopping backwards and forwards on it being good or bad, I think I've sat in the middle and thought, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Whatever will be, will be. It's one of those things, isn't it? Well, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we've saved. We've saved the, the last thing for the. We've saved this for the main event because what else? What else could it be? Will I think. <laughs> when Gary Bettman's in his meeting with the uh, with the Goatheads, shout out to the Goatheads, not been mentioned for a while, and they're all sat there discussing how to grow the game of hockey. What about what about we have more goals? How do we get more goals in the game? That's a good idea. Let's make the goalies' uniforms a bit smaller. Yes, we'll get more goals then. How about we go to stadiums? That's crazy, right? A stadium ice hockey game? That's insane. We could have it in Chicago every year. Everyone will go to it. And the Blackhawks can play in it every year. In every single one. And it'll snow. And the players will get hypothermia. But it'll be it'll be brilliant. How about we get more relatable players? Why don't we get some of our players out there in the media? Some of the characters, you know? Let's get some of the old guys doing stuff with them. How about that? Great. Well, it turns out, Will, all they needed to do was get a giant fucking Ed Sheeran Honey Monster mashup looking motherfucker and trot him out there with the name Gritty and ice hockey will explode because I can't remember the last time I saw anything like this well when it comes to ice hockey because it's gone fucking crazy I, I mean it's been it's been a perfect storm really isn't it like he's he's a bit of a mental looking mascot <laughs> to say the least hey 
he's been he's been promoted like nobody's business and then when you pile on the fact that his live debut at a Flyers preseason game <laughs> ended up in him falling arse over tit and just being <laughs> flat out on his back on the ice it's just just incredible isn't it like it's I, I can't I can't for a second believe that, that wasn't a deliberate decision to have to have gritty um, wipe out on his debut like that's just too perfect. Do you know he shot a guy in the back with a t-shirt gun as well? Oh god! I kept like I kept seeing that. <laughs> I, it had slipped my mind, but that's it's a, you know, another point on that. Like it's just it's been too good. It's been too good, and I think it's genius. I think it's absolutely genius. Like that, whoever is behind Gritty knows exactly what they're doing. Because I don't know if you've seen the quote from like Myrtle's uh, James Myrtle's son, and there's a couple of other you know quotes from parents of of hockey fan children. Gritty's a hit with the kids, and and I think that what they've done with Gritty. At least on what I want to believe, what they've done with Gritty is they've achieved the perfect balance between appealing to kids in a very sort of um, grimace, um, Barney the Dinosaurs or Mr. Blobby type way, and also being ridiculous enough and like almost scary enough and just ludicrous enough that it appeals to adults as well. Almost like a good kids' TV show does, where it's got the kids' elements, it's got the adults' elements. And it's just the perfect storm of... It's just incredible. Like, think about another mascot in the NHL that anybody gives a shit about. There is Well, yeah, he's one. already he's already the most followed mascot in the NHL after two days. Absolutely. This is it. That's like, even, even more point. Like, it's, it's partly a product of, of when he's been released. Um, I think there have only been a couple of mascots released over the last few years like victory green for the for the stars uh that weird like stray cat thing that the oilers unveiled um, oh yes oh, fuck i forgot about that and oh and God. you think like that didn't that didn't work and he's not i don't know there's just something about it it's still a little bit scary and horrible looking like like gritty is but it just hasn't been marketed as well. Like they've really, really seen it. like if I was a person behind Gritty, I'm thinking it's a fucking success. Like hands down. You know what Gritty is, don't you? You're saying about it appeals to parents and also the kids can also get on board with it. Gritty's Fortnite. That's what Gritty is. <laughs> He's just the perfect mix of like because Fortnite's the same. The, the, the reason it's so big is because kids play it and adults play it. And that's what Gritty is. It's a it's Pokemon in a mascot. Yeah. He uh, did you see? <laughs> did you see? He sent a message to the uh, his Twitter account's already amazing as well. He sent a message to the Pittsburgh account. Did you see the one he sent to the Pittsburgh uh, mascot? Oh, where he says, "Um, sleep with one eye open, bird." <laughs> like, mate, <laughs> it's just beautiful, and he's he's. Oh, it's amazing! Already started a feud with Bailey the Lion from uh, from the yeah. Kings. It's this is it. It's just a well well thought out and well executed marketing plan. And fair play to whoever's running that out of the flyers. Like it's it's done so well. Even down to just, and I think I don't work in marketing, but you'd imagine that there has to be an element of like 
consideration for how something's going to play and be used and shared on social media. So much of Gritty's top interactions, or or whatever you want to call them, have been so perfectly gifable. Like they translate so well into gifts that I can't help but think that's got to be intentional. From that first unveiling where he does the whip round and his eyes are going all googly to the aforementioned falling on the ice. Like there's so much. I've seen more gifts of, of, of bloody gritty in the last few days than I've seen of any other one topic ever. It's not just that, is it? It's the, it's when he come, when he comes out to that like techno music and he just stands there wiggling his head and wiggling what appears to be his massive gut. <laughs> just thought, what the fuck is this? What is this? Oh, it's amazing. He, he just can't look away. He's, he's a big, fluffy, googly-eyed car crash, really, isn't he? Oh, it's fabulous. Um, they also did the... Um, oh, Christ, the, the Kim Kardashian mock-up, didn't they? Where oh, the, uh, Christ, what with the drink the on his ass? <laughs> the Gatorade bottle on, and like, the champagne glass on his ass. <laughs> and, and, and again, that's another example of how they're... Balancing that fine line between appealing to kids and appealing to adults at the same time. Not, not that, not that gritty suddenly a sex symbol, but um, <laughs> it's that allusion to to adults and and accepting that, yeah, you know, we're not going to be able to make him cool or whatever or appeal to adults in that way, but it has to be just the sheer lunacy of it, of the character and how he behaves that is going to get adults. Yeah, not interested necessarily in gritty, but talking about gritty. I can't yeah, believe we're sure. dedicated a section to a fucking mascot like it's just loopy. Dude, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. My timeline was full from. I said this to someone else who on Twitter sent me the thing saying, "You know something's big when it breaks out of my Twitter, ta- my hockey Twitter timeline." It just totally broke out of that. I had people sending me things saying, "What the fuck is this?" Who I have no idea who the Philadelphia Flyers even are. And even they were sending me messages about it. And that's, you like, you have to talk about it because it's just, it's just amazing. It's amazing. It's not a second coming of Christ. Really, I just want it? to, um, Christ, yeah. Christ wishes he had this kind of publicity. <laughs> <laughs> I think JC's taken a hit over the past few years, hasn't he? He wishes he had this. He needs to get a new social media manager. Out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. Man, Jesus, social media man's not been working hard enough. I do want to shout out a couple of people on Twitter. Um, because me and Will said we're going to do this now. If we see something funny on Twitter about a story or um, something we've covered, then we're going to we'll mention it on the show. It was mainly, it was all gritty this week for me. Um, <laughs> I, I did ask my wife, actually. I said, watch this. What do you think of it? And she said, it looks like, she, she said, it looks like a lecherous workman. Which I just was like totally confused by. Which that. I suppose is appropriate for Philadelphia, really, isn't it? That's a fair point. Loads of people, loads of people had um, gritty as it, the clown in the sewer, um, which is great. They're just so obvious. Um, which is the best one? Oh yeah. So at uh, at Benstonium, um, photoshopped gritty into loads of pictures of sad children. And it was absolutely terrifying. So yeah, check out Ben Stonium, B-E-N-S-T-O-N-I-U-M. Uh, look for his gritty photoshops. 
because there's a there's a black and white one with a kid just sat on a floor looking into the distance and all you can see in the distance is a tiny gritty fuck it's just like it's so <laughs> scary it's so scary um Ryan underscore Batty had uh, Chiarelli's already been on the phone offering Gritty 4x4, four four, <laughs> which I thought was a great shout. That's an underpay of yours, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's actually, yeah. Um, Karabilic had, uh, at Karabilic had, is Gritty eligible for Rookie of the Year nominations? I hope so, because uh, <laughs> I, won't mind seeing that, I won't mind seeing that race. It's, it's going to be Gritty versus Elias uh, Pettersson. <laughs> yeah, and then the best one. I, th- I this was I thought this was genius. Was uh, at Parker Malloy M O L L O Y, just had uh, in capitals MAGA make America gritty again, which <laughs> is the absolute winner. So yeah, shout out to you at Parker Malloy. That was a uh, phenomenal work. Ah, oh, God, gritty! What a star! What? Who would have thought that he's what the NHL needed? Like I say, all them fucking bullshit meetings all those executives had and it just took one guy with a with a fucking um, MS paint dock and some like and he sneezed at the wrong point and that came out. <laughs> I, I just think it's nice that we finally got a, a ludicrous, borderline scary orange mascot that we can actually get behind this time. Is this a digger the Canadians? Uh no, it's more a more a oh. digger um <laughs> A certain Donald public Trump. figure, yeah, that we don't want to discuss. <laughs> Shit, it took me a while to get there, but I got there in the end. <laughs> I was a bit slow there. It's all about the journey, Dan. It's all about the journey. So true. Okay. That'll do for this week's, folks. Uh, this this week's? Christ. That'll do for this week, folks. You can get to each of us on Twitter, the aforementioned social media platform that we like to use. I am at Dan Straits Edge. Will, you are at... W-E-V-E-V-E-R-E-T-T. And there's the at two bits one puck Twitter account number two number one. Uh, yeah, Will. Any last words? Um, hockey hockey starts this week, doesn't it? Well, they're in this coming week. Opening night's not that far away, I don't think. Nope. Just, um, not long to go. Hold hold tight, brothers and sisters. We're almost there. We're nearly there. We're nearly there. I'm gonna have some last words this week, and my last words are make America gritty again. That'll do that. We'll see you later. Peace.